Hello from Classical KUCO. This is Spotlight on the Arts, where we take a moment to talk with local artists, performers, composers, conductors, and leaders on the many special activities and challenges taking place within our community. I'm your host, Paul Nesper. For our December 7th episode, we sit down with Professor Tony Gonzalez from OCU to discuss their upcoming Vespers concert. We then sit down with Dr. Greg White from the Department of Musical Theater at UCO to talk about their upcoming production of A Charlie Brown Christmas. We'll then sit down with Caleb Benda and Jessica Dietrich with the Oklahoma Chamber Symphony and talk about their Sounds of the Season concert. Next, we sit down with Amanda Bleakley and Teresa Holtberg with the Paseo Arts Association to discuss their 13th annual 4x4 art show and auction. Finally, we sit down with Tyler and Aaron Woods to talk about their production titled Jane Austen's Christmas Cracker. As we like to say, let's put a spotlight on the arts here in Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the Armstrong International Cultural Foundation, celebrating its 25th performing arts series in the 2023-24 season at Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond. Learn more at armstrongauditorium.org. Welcome back to Spotlight. My first guest today is Professor Tony Gonzalez from Oklahoma City University. The combined students and staff from the Wanda L. Bass School of Music will present their annual Vespers concert this Friday, December 8th at 8 p.m. and Saturday, December 9th at 4 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church in Oklahoma City. Tony, welcome back to Spotlight. Well, thank you so much, Paul. It's great to be back. Well, it's great to see you. It's, uh, it's that time of year again. We've got the 44th annual OCU Christmas Vespers. It's going to be happening Friday, December 8th at 8 p.m. and Saturday, December 9th at 4 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. That's at 1001 Northwest 25th Street in Oklahoma City. Right. There's going to be, there's just so much going on. And, you know, I remember our first conversation a month or two back, uh, you were kind of giving us a sneak preview about this concert, and you just had this this joy and excitement in your voice, just just giving us a sneak preview. So what is it about this concert in particular that just brings you such joy? It's the fact that it's a, a school event. It's, it, it includes our orchestra, our organist, our flute choir, of course, and our choirs, and then we have a guest narrator. It's just an, an all-school event, you know, probably the only one we have during the year where so many forces come together and participate in one school event to showcase, in this case, of course, the the spirit of Christmas and the Christmas music. And the students just absolutely love it. I mean, this is Vespers week. When I get back <laughs> when I get back on campus this morning, it's gonna be, you know, we're all flashing the Vespers week uh <laughs> sign, you know, and uh and it's 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 exciting for the students and for us all to to be a part of that. Forty four years, can you believe that? That's 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 incredible that it's been able to go for so long and, and be such a, a, a fixture in the in the holiday season. And as you mentioned, it it really is an entire school 
production, we've got uh, Catherine McDaniel, who is professor of voice and diction. Right. They will be doing the narrating. I believe we, uh, or you mentioned that part of the prelude, we're going to be featuring organ students and the organ professor, as well as the award-winning oh, yeah. flute choir, as yes. well as part of the prelude. So, I mean, this is just top-tier music for, for hours. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and Melissa Plowman is, of course, responsible yeah. for the organ students, and she'll be playing as well. And Parthena Owens, of course, is the director of our uh, nationally known flute choir as well. So we're grateful to them as well. You know, Paul, Randy left us, Randy Fonellis left us, uh, he left us a great template. You know, he did a beautiful job with it over the 19 years that he was at OCU, and he left us a great template from which to work with. And this year, it's basically very much the same what uh, what you've seen in past years. The only thing different, of course, are other people's faces <laughs> and the music, you know. But everything's in place. We have the narration in place. The uh, narration's in place. We have, of course, the music plugged in with the combined choirs and the music plugged in with the individual choirs as well through through uh, throughout the service. And then we have a couple of occasions. Randy always included a, a couple of hymns, carols, for the congregation to uh, to have a sing along, and we always did that with the choirs and and the orchestra. So all that's included in that about hour and a half program that that we're doing. It's just beautiful. Now, with so many musicians, I have to ask about the logistics. So how do the rehearsals work? Do the groups learn their parts individually, and then you combine in the dress rehearsal? Correct. Yeah. Everyone learns their parts, of course, individually. And then we began rehearsing last week together, and then we can have more rehearsals again this week together uh, and and bring it all uh, together, let's see, tomorrow afternoon and then tomorrow night at the church. Thursday night dress, and then of course the performance is Friday. So we have we have good ample time to to put it all together and and uh, and run it and and perfect it hopefully, and make it uh, runs very smoothly. Absolutely. Well, and like you mentioned with uh, Randy having the template in place, and obviously we've had a chance to talk with Dr. Julie. You will talk about her here in a yeah, little oh, bit. Oh yeah, we got to talk about her. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, well, you know what? That you know, I just set myself up for a good segue. So, how excited are you to collaborate with Dr. Julie Yu uh, on her first Vespers production? Well, she's terribly excited about it, of course, as <laughs> as we all are, and just de- delighted to be a part of it. And of course, this is her debut, and she's she's had a great deal of input into the music and into everything that we're doing, you know. And so her her excitement and and her anticipation for this concert also shows with the students and uh, she selected some great music for her choirs and and she's uh, she's ready to go she's ready to do this you know ready to have her, her debut uh, she had her debut last night you know with uh, Messiah at the Civic Center and that went really really well and so we're excited to have her do this with us uh, Friday and Saturday. Well, it, it you know I we've just so enjoyed our, our oh, I've enjoyed getting to talk with you too, but I've so enjoyed getting to talk with with Dr. Julie Yu, and it's been yeah she's just a breath of fresh air and energy uh, into an already outstanding uh, program. Tell us about some of the works that you are going to be featuring on this concert. Well, you know we always have we always try and feature uh, music that's familiar. We want people to come and hear familiar music that they associate Christmas with and maybe dressed up a little differently, <laughs> you know, maybe arranged a little differently, maybe for the orchestra or maybe for the flute choir, maybe for the choirs. But it's music that they're familiar with and that they love hearing at Christmas time. And then we also have some new music. We also have, we believe that because we're university, we should promote the current music, the current traditions uh, in, in the choral area that are going on. 
and and so we bring out new pieces of music by some contemporary composers as well, as well as some pieces that have been reworked from years past. So we're, we've got some Renaissance music that we're doing, yeah, oh, yeah. and then some Romantic music, and then uh, we're also, also into the contemporary period as well. So the carols, the hymns are familiar. The uh, Christmas fantasy that the orchestra is playing, you'll hear some familiar carols in its compilation of carols. The Christmas flourish <laughs> that the combined choirs and orchestra are doing, you'll hear some familiar carols also as well in that. Okay, Away in a Manger another, is another combined piece. And then Dr. Yu is conducting uh, the first movement of the Bach Magnificat, which nice. a lot of people may be familiar with, and uh, but we're doing the first movement of that as, as well. Okay, and then there are some other pieces of music that are contemporary, that are new arrangements of uh, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," for example, that uh, that we're doing. That I know our audience is is going to be very pleased with an arrangement of Coventry Carol. Uh, that's another familiar piece uh, that they'll enjoy. This little babe is a, a song taken from a "Ceremony of Carols" by Benjamin Britten. Another popular piece of Christmas music, not all, not performed that much, but we've extracted uh, one of the movements from that particular work, beautiful work, that our um, graduate student, Sydney Anderson, who's doing a beautiful job, she's going to be conducting that. Uh, the other graduate student we have is Ruef uh, Frasao Lopez, and he's conducting the Renaissance piece O Monium Mysterium by Tomas Luis da Vitoria. And so all these songs... All of it ends up at the very end then with uh, what Randy had, had put in and is very meaningful to everyone is the Night of Silence. Okay? And that is uh, a piece where the choirs surround the, the, the church people and turn the lights down and we have candles. And it's candlelit and with the orchestra and it's a, a lovely ending to the, to, the, to the concert, that particular tune that's very, very popular and very, very familiar to our students and and in memories, that's people, that's something they remember every year. And they come back, oh, yeah, I remember the ending, the night of silence that, that we did. It's powerful. It's, it's just, it's, you know, with, with the candles being your only light, it's just, there's something that's really magical about those moments. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And you know, Paul, the church goes all out. And, of course, they decorate the church so beautifully. But, but for them, too, it is a highlight of the Christmas season for them and a beautiful opportunity for them to showcase their church and the Absolutely. beautiful Gothic. Have you ever been in there? Yes. Okay, it's yeah. just gorgeous. It's just beautiful. And all of the fronts taken up with the orchestra and the choirs are in the transepts and the choirs are also in the chancel area. So it's a full stage, so to speak. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> but they decorated beautifully and just a lovely setting. And it's a, it's a wonderful Christmas gift from, uh, from OCU to, to our community. Jeff Grogan, I want to have to mention him too. Absolutely. Our wonderful or orchestral conductor, one a colleague of ours. I already mentioned Parthena Owens, Melissa Plumman, uh, Catherine McDaniel, our wonderful professor of voice, like as you mentioned earlier, is going to be our, our narrator uh, this year. And so we're grateful if you want to come out and, uh, and be with us on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Tickets are at okc.edu slash tickets, and you can uh, get them. Uh, they're only $15, I think. You can buy them at the door, too, but I encourage you to get them online. But you can get them at the door as well. And come 30 minutes early. The concert is on Friday night scheduled at 8, but the prelude begins at 7.30. And on Saturday, 
the concert schedule at 4, but the Prelude concert begins at 3.30. Now, I don't think I've told you this, and I don't think I've made this admission on this show yet, uh-oh, so uh-oh. We, we might be making history here. I was actually in our Madrigal Choir way back in high school, so I have to ask, are there any Madrigals that will be happening during this concert? Well, actually there is. There's uh, nice. one that uh, uh, the University of Singers is singing by William Dalton called All This Time. And it's and it's and I'm glad you mentioned it because it's very madrigal esque. It's like chamber music. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I think that's probably the thing I remember the most when I start hearing Christmas carols being sung. I just it takes me back to high school and and, and dressing up. We would always do a a, a dinner and a, a themed dinner mm-hmm. and, and sing along with that. Yeah, and, right. Oh, uh, that was a highlight of my my high school career, and it, it, that take that definitely takes right. me back. And we've taken um, a, a theme magnificat. Uh, from the first work that uh, uh, Dr. Yu is conducting, and we built uh, all the music around that about the uh, appearance of the angel coming to Mary and, and that particular text from, from Luke, uh, My Soul Doth Magnify the Lord. And, uh, and we've taken that as the theme and, and used, we have other songs that are related to that particular text as well. That's awesome, and I, I assume you know you and, and uh, Professor Grogan and, and, and Dr. Julie, you get together early on and start thinking about, okay, what goes with this theme or goes with this idea or text concept? Right. Yeah, 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 we have we have to do that. M- yeah. Months of planning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I'm sure that's what makes this just so rewarding. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier, just I hear the excitement in your voice when you get to talk about just <laughs> getting to work with your colleagues and all the great students at, uh, at OCU. Um, is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with about either this performance or maybe some up- upcoming performances you want to plug as well? Other than uh, the the uh, the vespers, that's all we have planned for this semester. We have some things planned in February and our April uh, our winter concert and our spring concert. But other than that, this uh, that's it. You know, for this semester, this is our last concert. And then some well earned rest, I hope. Yes, right, <laughs> exactly. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next, Dr. Greg White with the Department of Musical Theater at the University of Central Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from TSET, dedicated to reducing tobacco use, with the reminder that exposure to secondhand smoke is known to cause lifelong health problems and is especially harmful to growing children. More at TobaccoStopsWithMe.com. Support for KUCL comes from Lyric Theater of Oklahoma, presenting a new production of Lyric's A Christmas Carol, featuring new sets and costumes, on stage November 24th through December 24th at Lyric's Plaza Theater. More at lyrictheateropkc.org. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guest is Dr. Greg White with the Department of Musical Theater at the University of Central Oklahoma. They will be presenting a Charlie Brown Christmas at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond from December 7th through December 10th. Greg, welcome back to Spotlight. Good morning. 
It is so great to have you here. Uh, it's, it's just been a couple weeks since the last production, but we have a Charlie Brown Christmas. It's happening December 7th through the 9th uh, at 7.30 p.m. And then again on December 9th and the 10th at 2 p.m. at the UCO Jazz Lab in Edmond. So I got to ask, how special is it to be able to put on a production that so many people associate with holiday season? It's iconic in so many ways. And it, it, I think it has such a wide, wide appeal Kids love it, of course, but adults love it as well. And I think most of us of a certain age uh, <laughs> grew up on the special, the you know, the television special. So, yeah, it's 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 an incredible. It's actually an honor, and it's an incredible challenge to tackle something like this. Oh, I'm sure, and, and I think we talked about last time because it was a production that was very popular in the musical theater world, and you know what are some of the challenges of doing things that are so well known, and and yeah, I would I would imagine that there's there's some sort of level of of I don't want to say anxiety, but just a level of man, I hope we we do this well with something that's that's so well known because yeah, we, it's associated with such a special and and meaningful time of year. Well, and the piece itself is very episodic, very much along the lines of the strip. I mean, if you think about the way Schultz wrote, I mean, you're, you're writing in little strips and little vignettes. And so I think that's been a big part of our challenge. And really, one of the things I've tried to, to implement is to, to really have an arc in the piece so the audience can go on this journey whereas i feel like if you really look at the if you look none of us really looked at the special through you know as a dramaturg in the back in the days but you know when you're really looking at it from a theatrical standpoint it's it's a challenge a lot of your productions happen at Mitchell Hall Theater you know big big stage this is happening at the Jazz Lab what are some of the differences for the performers in a smaller more intimate space that a place like the Jazz Lab offers well, first, uh, we do two main stage shows every year at Mitchell Hall, and then we do, I don't know, three or four, five at the Jazz Lab or at an other uh, alternative venues in town. This is our 22nd year to do a holiday show at the UCO Jazz Lab. Awesome. So, uh, And I should also mention these productions, these performances sell out every year. We, we love the Edmund community, and this has become kind of an Edmund tradition. Uh, but to your question, clearly there's some inherent challenges producing a show in, a, in an intimate venue like this. And I think so much of it, uh, you, you shoot for less bells and whistles, and really you go for more intimacy and honesty in the performances and honesty just being true to the work. I, I love the idea of the the artist and the audience being right there for the sound and I you know I, I think we mentioned just briefly before we sat down here to speak talking about you know if you go to the Civic Center you're going to have an incredible experience but it's going to be a very different experience than being in a, a venue like the Jazz Lab where you're just literally feet away from the artist. Yeah, you're just able to see so much more detail at just an intimate level and and. And yeah, I mean, having I've I've played at the Jazz Lab, I don't know how many dozens of times, and have 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 uh, gone to just as many performances. And yeah, it's a great little intimate setting. There's not a bad seat in the house. I mean, you're going to be able to see anything and everything. I know, obviously, with it being the Jazz Lab, known for some great music, you've got some killer musicians to go along with this production. Can you tell us a little bit about the musicians that'll be playing the score? Yes, uh, we've got the best of the best. Of course, the iconic 
score, the Vince Guaraldi score, is just so iconic. And, you know, honestly, you, you look at a piece like this, this sophisticated jazz score that was uh, developed for essentially a children's uh, holiday special that's become just, you know, one of the standards in uh, sophisticated jazz. But as far as the players are concerned, Marianne Searle, is our music director. She's worked with the, the cast and worked with the vocalist. Uh, she's the musical director, and she's on the keys. And then we've got Clinton Trench on bass and Mike Mosteller on drums. And anyone in town who knows any of these three names knows that we have the best of the best that, that are going to be playing this score. So I say it's worth the price of admission just to hear these three artists play this score. But of course, you're also coming to see some phenomenally talented students and a really beautiful story. Well, it's got to be a treat for the uh, students to be able to play with such high level or perform with such high level musicians as well. The students were somewhat shocked. Uh, day before yesterday, we had our uh, SITS probe. Uh, that might have also been yesterday. You know how Tech Week goes. You, 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 you don't know. Don't ask me what day it is today, even. But uh, the the they came in. The trio came in for Sits Probe, and we essentially just sang the show straight through, almost without stopping. You know, and they'd stop and top talk roadmap every once in a while. But uh, these are the best of the best players. So yeah, of course. Uh, Sits Probe is always, I think, everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> rehearsal because it just kind of ele elevates the entire process. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, cast? What have the rehearsals been like up to this point? This has been a unique process as far as the cast is concerned. I was just here, as you mentioned, a, a few weeks ago for our uh, fall musical, which got pushed a little bit later this year. Just, you know, we, we're collaborating. We have limited uh, performance venues at UCO. So yeah. uh, we were collaborating with our theater arts program for their production of August Osage County, and they wanted that slot that we usually do our musical in. So we agreed to, to swap with them. So our musical came very late in the season. And then a lot of our students work with uh, Warner Brothers with uh, the Polar Express. It's an event that happens here in town, and it's a holiday event, and they get to perform. And, you know, I, I, we try to accommodate as many of those uh, opportunities as possible because, you know, otherwise, what are we doing? We're, we're training them for the industry, but then we're not <laughs> allowing them to take advantage of opportunities. So a lot of our students are involved with the Polar Express, and then a lot of our students were just involved with She Loves Me. So we held campus-wide auditions this year for Charlie Brown Christmas. Now, granted, we've got a lot of musical theater folks, UCO musical theater majors up there, but we have students from theater arts, from theater education, from music education, from <laughs> education. We have an art major up there. And it's been kind of a beautiful experience to sort of, even for me, to just step out of my realm of uh, working with sort of the, the internal students that, you know, that we bring into our program. And it's been, it's been a delightful experience. Well, while we have you here, let's take this opportunity to maybe look down the pipeline. What are some of the productions you're looking forward to sharing with our Classical KUCO listeners in the coming semester? Uh, UCO Musical Theater has a couple of exciting performances coming up, and productions coming up in the spring. Uh, in February, we've got Catch Me If You Can, the musical, of course, based on the popular film. And the score is really, really spectacular. That will also take place at the UCO Jazz Lab. Nice. And then we close our season with 
Legally Blonde, the musical, also based on a very, very popular musical. And I think you and I had a little chuckle. We had a moment. We had a moment, <laughs> we had a moment about that. Lot. You have to go back and listen to that previous uh, uh, recording for All that. previous episodes of Spotlight on the Arts are available at KUCOFM.com and wherever you get your Apple or Spotify podcasts. Oh, my God, you guys. Yes. So that's uh, Legally Blonde. Uh, but we're also doing uh, – I should mention that – Charlie Brown Christmas is a co uh, co production with our Broadway Tonight series, and you know that's a celebrity series that we have on campus at UCO, and we're in the process of making some really exciting changes for that series to get that series kind of back up on its feet post COVID. But this a Charlie Brown Christmas is a co production with Broadway Tonight, so Broadway Tonight is actually producing in the spring in February. Uh, for again, for musical theater nerds out there, it's a show called Milk and Honey. And it's Milk and Honey. We'll do the show in concert at the Jazz Lab. But it's Jerry Herman's first musical theater score for Broadway. So, yeah, Jerry Herman, of course, of Hello, Dolly fame, MAME, La Caja Fall. I mean, a prolific musical theater composer. And this is essentially his, uh, you know, in- initial offering for the world. And it's a delicious score. So I can't wait to share that with the community. Now, I know the UCO School of Music has their own website, but you guys are fairly active on the socials. Where can we direct our classical KUCO listeners to find you all on the socials? Best place on Facebook, uh, UCO Musical Theater, and it's the same handle on Instagram, UCO Musical Theater. Kelly Cormack, who is my right hand, who is our project manager, who really helps with all the things, really keeps our social media Happen. So if you're interested in what we're doing, you know, check it out. We've got Marianne Searle as music director. What has it been like getting a chance to collaborate and work with Marianne? Well, anyone in the Oklahoma City theater scene knows Marianne Searle. She is legend in these parts. Uh, you know, she's been with UCO, I'm going to say the last almost 20 years, the better part of the last 20 years. I'm going to say she was at OCU that many years beforehand, so about 20 to 25 years beforehand. Uh, She's been a collaborative pianist at Lyric Theater of Oklahoma and at Music Theater Wichita. She toured with Broadway shows, you know, playing in the pit. Uh, Marianne is the real deal, and it's been so much fun to work with her on this project. And again, I feel like just her knowledge of that jazz world and helping bring that specific style to our students has been incredible. It's always an honor to collaborate with Marianne. Now, what have been the challenges in working with dialogue, especially when we related to a comic strip or even just the cartoons where we would get a sentence or maybe two, but then we would get either silence and you just see the uh, reactions of the characters or you see Snoopy walking across the stage or obviously, if it's a comic strip, it's a little something different. So what what have been the challenges in working with that dialogue and keeping things engaging? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the pace of the production, and it's really keeping that pace tight. But it's also it is honoring those moments. Uh, I've talked with them a lot about style, and there, in many regards, some of this 
hits upon even a vaudevillian style. You know, you have two vaudevillian comics coming out almost standing shoulder to shoulder facing the audience, and it's a little dialogue, you know, that leads to uh, some sort of, you know, punchline or some sort of, a lot of times with Charlie Brown, it's raising his hopes and then, of course, dashing those hopes. And so I think a lot of that is embracing a sense of style, but it's also a sense of pace. And so, you know, we've honored a lot of the bits from the film where, you know, Snoopy becomes intrusive and gets up on the piano and starts dancing in the middle of a scene and sort of interrupts things. And we've honored all that. But I think so much of that is pace and energy and keeping things moving. Now, we were talking, this is actually a very fast-paced and quick show. It's only about 25 minutes, but you've done a little something to, 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 to beef it up a bit. I have. You know, we applied for the rights for this show multiple years ago, and we just continued to kind of re-up our application. And the, the rights were very difficult to obtain. And then this year, we, we got the rights. We said, okay, we're going to do it. But when I really sat down and looked at the script, it's a 25-page script. And so, you know, if you use the director's rule, typically it's one minute per page. So we've got a 25-minute production. Now what do we do? So um, I looked at, I thought of all kinds of options, kind of brainstormed of all kinds of options of how to make the show, you know, a little bit more lengthy and just, you know, give the audience a little bit more of, a, of an experience. So we've added what I call the Peanuts postlude. So, <laughs> you know, essentially right after the show, they, you know, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, and then they sing Hark the Herald Angels with, with Charlie Brown. Uh, we go into a little bit of a sacred section, but it's a very lighthearted sacred section. And it's essentially one of the first days of rehearsal, I brought some books that I have. I have tons. My mother and I collect Peanuts books, so I brought a bunch <laughs> of these books. And I actually have on my mantle at home, I leave it out 365 days a year, the Peanuts nativity. And I brought that and kind of set it up and, you know, was just talking about Peanuts and the love of Peanuts. And, and I thought... I looked at that nativity, that Peanuts nativity, and I thought, I think that might be the answer right there. So uh, we do a little bit of sacred uh, music at the end that's very lighthearted and kind of fun that leads us into our own little uh, – because, they, you know, part of the, the, the premise of the piece is that they are actually rehearsing the Christmas play. And so this is almost uh, what the Christmas play might have been like. And it's that's just told through song. We haven't added any dialogue or anything like that. So it's just almost a little review at the end of the show. Very, very – heartwarming and so sweet and it certain to get you in the holiday spirit <laughs> that's incredible is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with well if you've never been to the UCO Jazz Lab it's worth a trip to Edmond just for that I mean we're always named the number one venue for live music in the metro area and just it's really an experience like no other and I, I love the way we've evolved that space to be a really effective uh, theatrical venue to service our students. And uh, this production is no exception. Uh, actors are walking through the audience. Actors are up in the balcony. There's times where the, the cast is all out among you. And it's, I mean, it's it's really an immersive type experience like no other. And just the space itself, just the venue itself, really, really brings a, kind of a beautiful intimacy between artists and audiences. So come join us. And, you know, we do sell out, so get your tickets. But if you can't come see uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, just come see something at the lab this uh, over the holidays because it's an incredible venue. There will always be something going on at the Jazz Lab during the holiday season. Greg, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Coming up next, 
Kayla Benda and Jessica Dietrich with the Oklahoma Chamber Symphony. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma Securities Department, providing investor protection through education and enforcement of Oklahoma securities laws. More at securities.ok.gov. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Kayla Benda and Jessica Dietrich with the Oklahoma Chamber Symphony. They will be presenting their holiday concert titled Sounds of the Season on Saturday, December 9th at 7.30 p.m. at First Church of Oklahoma City. Caleb, Jessica, welcome back to Spotlight. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Paul. Well, we had a lot of fun. I guess it's almost been a couple months at this point uh, since we last spoke, but We've got uh, your next concert upcoming. It's Sounds of the Season. It'll be Saturday, December 9th at 7.30 p.m. at First Church of Oklahoma City. So can you tell our classical KUCO listeners some of the work she'll be featuring on your Sounds of the Season concert? Yeah, so we kind of structured this in two halves for this concert. So the first half is selections from the Nutcracker and a little Hanukkah divertimento. Second half is pretty much all Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Um, So much of their repertoire comes from... Tchaikovsky, the Nutcracker, so we thought it'd be a fun pairing to put those two together. Let people hear the original uh, instrumentation at the beginning, and then they'll get the rock version after intermission. (laughs) Now, I know when you were here last time, you had mentioned that the strings had given you a little side-eye when uh, you had mentioned that you were doing Harry Potter music for for the Halloween concert. Did the strings give you a little side-eye when you said you're going to be doing Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Tchaikovsky on the same concert? Luckily, not so much for the Trans-Siberian Orchestra because we have the full rock band complement. I think that was a nice selling point for them. Uh, but I will say in our, our last rehearsal, yeah, the violins were a little jealous because we started rehearsing the Nutcracker Overture, which has no cellos, no basses, so they got to leave and go home early. <laughs> violins are going, what am I having to stay here for? And we're paid the same. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Jessica, can you confirm or deny that uh, that's what happened? Uh, you know, I may plead the fifth on this one, um, uh, but we're, we're all jokes aside, we're really excited. Um, and the, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra stuff is just so fun. I, you can barely hear yourself play cause we've got all the other instruments, but it's just a blast. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where you, you associate, you know, obviously Trans-Siberian Orchestra with the holiday season. And again, it just puts you in such a positive place that, oh, wow, I get to actually now play this music that I've been listening to for I don't know how many years. I know um, my family every Christmas morning, at least growing up, is a little different now. But uh, yeah, we would just play the Trans-Siberian Orchestra while we would uh, have a little, well, I would have milk and cookies. Mom and dad would have coffee and cookies <laughs> and, and get ready to open those presents. So yeah, there's just that nostalgic feel. So that's so cool that uh, you guys get to experience and play that. What have the rehearsals been like up to this point? They've been a lot of fun. You know, I don't know what Jessica's talking about. You can't hear yourself because she's actually playing the electric bass on the Trans-Siberian stuff. <laughs> so you can definitely hear those instruments. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. We've been working our way through the the Tchaikovsky Nutcracker, and there's some really great music in that. We're doing the Overture, the Waltz of the Snowflakes, and some of the character dances. Nice. You know, the Waltz of the Snowflakes doesn't get done a lot in the concert performances. And it's, I mean, for me, it's one of the most gorgeous moments of the whole the whole score. It's, it's so much fun to do. 
Uh, but it's been really great. The the Trans-Siberian stuff has been a lot of fun to put together. You know, not all of our classical musicians are used to working with guitar and drum set. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve for them, but it's been a lot of fun. Having played many gigs at churches, I, I'm very familiar with uh, coordinating with the rock bands and and getting. But yeah, it's it's a different it's a different feel, and uh, you're not always used to having that much noise behind you. If you if you've never experienced it before, it's definitely eye opening. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you know there are so many things that go into these concerts. There's so many traditions that happen. One of those things that is common for you guys for your Christmas concert is a sing along at the end. Will that tradition be continuing this year? Yeah, absolutely. So we always conclude this concert with the Leroy Anderson at Christmas Festival. Uh, we do the shortened version, the five-minute version, because I was telling the orchestra. When you do the nine-minute version, that's when you realize there are like nine verses to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? <laughs> so we just do one verse per hymn, uh, per carol, but it's it's a lot of fun. The audience always sings along. We'll have the words on the screen. We'll have the words on the program, so it's a lot of fun. My uh, quintet I, I play, and we have an arrangement of, of Christmas Festival. It's always one of my favorite ones to play, but yeah, especially if there's nobody singing along, that can get kind of long after a while. So I, I like that you guys are doing the short, shortened version. I think that'll I think that goes over very well. We'll have a soloist also oh. leading the sing along, so that'll be helpful as well. I is think it, is it Jessica? It is. Not. It is not me, <laughs> which you should be thankful for. <laughs> Well, Jessica, what what have you enjoyed the most about working on these uh, these works for this concert? So I'm a little biased. Uh, my husband Matt is our guitarist for the Trans Siberian nice. Orchestra, and he just he's a, a violinist who we met originally. We both played violin, but he has had a blast learning the guitar parts. Uh, he played with us last year, and then we added a few more this year. And so, just hearing the fun he has with all this crazy sounding guitar chords and pedals has been a lot of fun um and then actually this is my first time playing things straight from the nutcracker so that's been a nice little treat for me too all these years i've never played anything from the nutcracker so that's been a lot of fun you know i was thinking about this the other day in in all my years of playing tuba because there is a tuba part to the nutcracker if i'm not mistaken maybe maybe it's doubled in the bass and that's why i don't get (laughs) i don't ever get get asked to do it but yeah i've never actually played a a specific i've played arrangements of stuff from the nutcracker but i've never actually played uh, from tchaikovsky's nutcracker so Caleb, what are we going to do about that? I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm well, you know, Waltz of the Snowflakes has a bass trombone solo, so I think that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> okay. All right. You are you are correct in there, but uh, valves only. Valves only. <laughs> now, on top of just great music, there's also going to be some pre-concert festivities. Do I have that correct? Yes. So this year we are doing our second annual silent auction. So you can come and bid on a number of different baskets that we've curated through our orchestral members. And we also have a couple of items for raffle as well. So whether you want to bid on something, you know, real specific and grand like a basket, or you just want to throw five bucks in to potentially win some tickets to a game or something. Uh, we've got all that going on. And for your enjoyment, while you're checking out the auction and raffle items, we also have a hot chocolate bar where you can get some hot chocolate, add some marshmallows or peppermint, and just enjoy that Enjoy that hot chocolate while you're browsing around. This year, we're also holding our first, well, we, we held our first at the Harry Potter concert, so our second photo booth First Church has a gorgeous Christmas tree in the lobby right outside of where our performance is. And so we have a ring light set up. You can bring your phone, 
take a nice picture with whoever you're there with um, to post on social media. So if you didn't get a chance to get some of those Christmas photos done or want to do a last minute Christmas card, this would be a good chance to get a picture. I'm always I always tell myself, yeah, this year I'm going to do Christmas cards. This year I'm going to do Christmas cards. And it's now the middle of December and I, <laughs> I haven't even started. You haven't missed your chance. This is true. This is true. This is this is these are all facts. <laughs> I always forget how much I enjoy a nice hot chocolate on a cool to cold winter day. Doesn't matter if it's morning. Doesn't matter if it's evening. I I, I was uh, I was at an event on Friday and I was freezing, so I'm like I got to get something. And I went and got myself a hot chocolate with some marshmallows in it. And if it didn't take me back to being 12 years old, so good. It was incredible. It was incredible. Now, do the proceeds from the raffle and auction go towards the orchestra? Yes, they do. Uh, This is our second year, like I said, hosting this event, and it was a great success for us last year. And it really just helps our orchestra be able to do what we do um, and make sure we have music for these concerts. We have a facility to play in. So all the proceeds do go to the orchestra, and they make a really big difference in our operations throughout the year. Now, are the baskets themed? Yes, they are. My personal favorite, our second violins, came up with a basket called Second to None, which is all about (laughs) enjoying the finer things in life. Uh, So we quite enjoy that. Uh, But we also have a family-focused basket that's all about having fun with the family here in Oklahoma City. We have a cozy things basket. So if you're looking for an excuse to stay in and you know, drink some tea or wine potentially and then just enjoy a, a nice evening in. You can enjoy that basket. And then we also have the, what am I missing, Caleb? I think it's the Chills and Bases did, Made in Oklahoma. Yes, a Made in Oklahoma basket. So featuring all sorts of different products that are made right here in Oklahoma. Well, that's that's so cool that you guys are able to do that, both as a way to fundraise for the organization, but also a chance for people to have a really cool basket uh, as they as they head into the holiday season, whether they want to keep it for themselves or I've been known to re-gift a, a free prize from, <laughs> from here or there. So it'd be great gifts. I, I mean, if somebody wins it and wants to re-gift it to me, I would I wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll note that down. Es- especially the made in Oklahoma one. I I, I love uh, getting to discover all the the cool things we get to make here in Oklahoma. Now, what do you hope our classical KUCO listeners take away from this performance? Honestly, just a great time. You know, we're we're kicking off the holiday season for us. I know there's been a couple festivities already, but this is our big uh, kickoff for that season. So, free hot chocolate bar, great concert. It's not Christmas without the Nutcracker. For some, it's not Christmas without Trans Siberian Orchestra. Christmas Carol sing along. Um, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. It's one of our most highly attended concerts of the year, and it's I, I think people just have a great time. You know, it really seems like for a lot of people we've talked to, it's it's been kind of a long year. So I think a lot of us are really looking forward to this holiday season just to be able to have some peace, to be able to smile and just sing with our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors and just, you know, just enjoy some great music as we wind down 2023. Where can we direct our classical KUCO listeners to learn more about this concert as well as any other upcoming performances you all have on your calendar? So uh, you can visit the orchestra's website. That is okchambersymphony.com. There's all the information available there. Uh, There's a concert page, a concert FAQ page that will hopefully answer any question that you might have. If not, there's a contact form. Feel free to reach out. There's a Facebook event. We have a Facebook page. So there's lots of different uh, ways to check this out. (laughs) Is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with? Yeah, so we have a very special encore for this concert. Uh, I will say we did this con- this encore last year, and it's the first time I've heard people scream at a classical concert. Um, I'm not going to you know, give away what it is, but it's the gift that you know can't fail, so it's a lot of fun. 
I will also add that our doors to the venue open at 6.30, so you can come in as early as 6.30, get some hot chocolate, browse the auction items, and then the halls into the sanctuary will open at 7. Please please tell me it's Wham's Last Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it is a unofficial, official Oklahoma Christmas Carol. Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> well, Jessica, Caleb, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Thank you for having us. We'll see you next time. Coming up next, Amanda Bleakley and Teresa Hultberg with the Paseo Arts Association. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Stillwater Heart and Vascular Institute, providing screening, diagnosis, and treatment to reduce risk of heart disease. Appointments and more at stillwatermedical.com, close to home. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Amanda Bleakley and Teresa Holtberg with the Paseo Arts Association. Tonight, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center is the 13th annual 4x4 Art Show and Auction. Over 70 artists from around the area will have their art on display for auction to help raise funds for the Paseo Arts Association. Amanda, Teresa, welcome back to Spotlight. Good morning, Paul. How are you, you doing today? Uh, I'm a little tired, but, you know, the show must go on. That is the performer in me, so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, we are here to talk about the 13th annual 4x4 Art Show and Auction, Deck the Walls. It's happening tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center. Can you tell us a little bit about how this event came about and what our classical KUCO listeners can expect from it? Um, so this event is something that um, is just a really fun event that we have planned for the end of the year. So um, it's a fundraiser for the Paseo Arts Association, and it is also a really great holiday shopping experience. Um, so the event uh, includes 4x4 artwork, which is a perfect size um, for a holiday gift, and it's also something that is also affordable since all of our bidding starts at $25. That's awesome. So how many artists donated their work? So we have over 70 artists that have donated their work, so quite a few, and there's a lot of talent in there from the local Paseo community and in OKC in general. So to make sure we understand, it's not just painting. So when I think 4 by 4 I'm just thinking like little boxes, but like we're, we're talking sculptures. We're, I mean, it can literally be anything. Oh, yeah. There's so much in there. There's glass. There's uh, mixed media. There's fiber work, um, all kinds of mediums in it every style you can think of as well. So there's something for everybody who would want to buy something for a loved one. Well, one funny thing, Paul, is that we have people that come back year after year and just buy for themselves. Like they will try to come in and collect as many pieces as they can. So it makes it really fun um, when the bidding gets a little bit, you know, competitive. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a great night to come and check out the art. Uh, we also have a musician coming. Yeah, so we'll have um, a classical guitar by Finn H. Nice. He is uh, someone who's been playing uh, during First Fridays a few times, and he's super talented. 
Uh, we like to say a young Edgar Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty high praise. We've we've had Edgar on the program before. That's pretty high praise. Yeah, yeah. and we'll have um, you know some refreshments that um, that we'll offer people who are coming in. So it's a, it's a good time to come in. Also, uh, check out our other our galleries, our three galleries. They can wander around the entire building and look at the studio spaces. We have ten artists that that house uh, their studios and. Paseo Arts and Creativity Center, so it'll be a good night for everybody. And I know we talked uh, last week, we've got a Tulsa-based artist in Gallery One. Do I have that? uh, Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, we have Mary McNett in Gallery One and her show Grief in the Full Cup of Joy. Um, So it's got a combination of paintings and then a really interesting installation. What I think is so interesting about the 4 by 4 idea and concept is, you know, I, as you both know and our listeners know, I'm, I'm a transplant. I, I, I'm not from here, and I'm really the only person in my family that lives here. So I'm always trying to think of different ways to, you know, what can I get these guys and gals for Christmas, birthdays, things like that. And, you know, recently I've, I've kind of had the mindset of I want them, when they look at something, to think of me, to think of Oklahoma, to think of – you know, the memories that were that I've made here with them or hopefully we'll make with them here in the future. And it seems like with this 4x4, four four, it's a great way to find just a specialty gift that just maybe speaks to you or somebody you know and love. And I, I think that's just a, a great way to, A, get exposure to these artists, but B, find a great gift for somebody you love during the holidays or birthdays or whatever the case may be. Indeed, I agree. And some of them are Oklahoma themed you might see an, a buffalo or something like that but it is it's a great opportunity to support the Paseo Arts Association a 501c3 nonprofit and and you're kind of supporting the artists just by buying their piece I mean it makes them feel good when they know that they're contributing back to our organization just because we try to do things for them year-round and then the proceeds from this fundraiser go directly to the Arts and Creativity Center. What do you then do, or what are you then able to do with those proceeds? It just helps us manage our organization year-round. We're already planning the Paseo Arts Festival, and and uh, it, it takes a lot to manage our, our facility. I know Teresa's busy setting up more professional development classes or workshops for artists, something that we started doing a couple of years ago because we saw the need for these classes, and uh, there's been a really good feedback from the artists uh, that they enjoy them, and, and we know we're making a difference by providing them. Well, we've had some beautiful weather this week. It looks like that'll continue into this weekend. A great time to get out in the Paseo, especially when you can just walk around, see all the shops. What else do you have planned for the rest of this year and into the first part of 2024? Well, we've got a couple of pop-up shops inside our space um, in Gallery 1. We're going to have Kakuya Calhoun. She makes these beautiful scarves. Some of them are hand-painted silk. Some of them are designs that she's printed on scarves. I don't know what else. She's always full of surprises, so I know she'll be bringing uh, other things as well. And then we've got some candles from Victoria Nicole, and uh, it's a new brand that we've added to the gift shop. They are fabulous. And so they're going to be bringing some of their candles more than what we normally offer. Uh, my favorite is a red currant. And they are soy candles, so they burn all the way down. They're very clean. They use cotton wicks. And they're better, they're better for you if, you, um, you know, if you're burning them inside, which you would be. So we'll have those two. And then the following, the next weekend... 
Uh, we will have Jerry Bennett, who is an illustrator, and he'll have his prints. And uh, his wife, Jessica, will have her bread that she sells on First Fridays and at Flora Bodega and other places. She's a home baker, and, and it's fabulous, fabulous, uh, mostly sourdough. But and, uh, and, and she has some uh, cinnamon rolls that are really good and jellies and things like that, too. And one other fun thing is that if you're bringing your family over to come shop, we also have a really, really cute Paseo coloring sheet that Jerry Bennett designed himself that features the flamenco sculpture and a few special notable um, figures in the Paseo, (laughs) including Sprout the cat, who is the unofficial Paseo cat. (laughs) She's our mascot. You did this to me last time, Amanda. You're just sitting here thinking, oh, my God, I want all the carbs. Oh, I know. I know. Well, you know, we're also known, the Baseo Arts District is known for all the great restaurants that we have. So this is a good time of year to, to come uh, check out a restaurant that you haven't been to yet or revisit one of your favorites, do some shopping in the district. It's It's been a hard year for some of our merchants because of the construction that we've had. There's plenty of parking it's really not a problem, but I think some people just think, oh, no, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, please come and support them. They they need your your help so, you know, so that they'll be there next year. And it's going to be beautiful when our district is finished. Oh, yeah. There's just, it's you know, the construction company's done an awesome job keeping things open for us so that people can come in. So come do your shopping. We've got... You know, jewelry and clothes and shoes and art, lots of things to choose from. Yeah, I was down just a couple weekends ago, and uh, I think I was there like at 6 o'clock in the evening, and I, I found parking really easily. Uh, it was like maybe a block or two walk, and I was where I needed to be. Right. Now, I was uh, in, in preparation for this interview doing my detailed research. I noticed on the website, I saw a lot of pictures and, and, and portraits of some of these 4x4s. Can our listeners go to your website and kind of see what some of the 4x4s will be offered tonight? Yeah, every piece of artwork that will be in our 4x4 auction tonight are on our website at thepaaok.org, and it's also linked on thepaseo.org as well. You got so much going on, you have to have two websites. I remember that from last week, too. I know, I know. <laughs> it's uh, a lot better having it separated because people can find what they're looking for much easier. Exactly, and I'm, and I'm assuming, obviously, some of the things that we talked about with the upcoming events will also be available on the website, and people want to go further in depth on that, do a little little, little self-research before they head on out to the sale. Yes, yes. Is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with before we part with you all this morning? Well, we want everybody to have a, a good holiday season. Uh, be safe. Uh, appreciate the people that you're with. Take it easy. Come down to the Paseo Arts uh, District and and just remember us when you're doing your holiday shopping. How would one of our classical KUCO listeners go about bidding and or purchasing one of these 4 by 4 art pieces? So they can come in person to bid starting at 6 p.m. tonight, and the bidding will go through 7.30 so they can come, enjoy, get some snacks and refreshments, and we'll have all of our bidding in person. Um, we will check all the bids at 7.30, and then they can actually take home their 4x4s that night. Nice, nice. So win the auction, take it home that night. I like that. I, I hate when I have to wait to get my prize. You know, if I have to wait like three or four days, come on now. It's instant gratification. <laughs> We're all about that in 2023. <laughs>
I want it now. <laughs> now that's awesome. And, and, and as you mentioned before, a great way to get if you if you're like me and haven't started your holiday shopping yet, a great way to kick things off. Or if you're like more responsible people and have been doing your shopping now for multiple months, it's a great way to start to conclude your Christmas shopping for the 2023 season. Amanda, Teresa, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next, Tyler and Aaron Woods with Oklahoma Shakespeare. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, presenting a classics repertoire juxtaposing traditional classical music with modern works, and pops with show tunes and a movie score. More information at okcphil.org. Camp Concert Series presents their 2023-24 season lineup featuring Durufle Requiem on Sunday, January 28th, the United States Navy Band Sea Chanters on Sunday, March 17th, and Glenn Miller on organ Sunday, May 4th. More information available at kempconcerts.org or 405-525-6584. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Tyler and Aaron Woods with Oklahoma Shakespeare. They will be presenting Jane Austen's Christmas Cracker December 7th through December 23rd at the Indoor Theater at Shakespeare on the Paseo. The work is based on the novels and the letters by Jane Austen. Tyler, Aaron, welcome to Spotlight. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, we're excited to talk with you. We've got a production. It's called Jane Austen's Christmas Cracker. It's based on the novels and letters of Jane Austen. It is by you, Aaron, and it's running now December 7th through the 23rd at the Indoor Theater at Shakespeare on the Paseo. So I guess first things first, Aaron, what led you to want to create this production? I wanted to create a holiday show that would be really fun and that there was nothing like it in Oklahoma City at, um, a few years back. And I love Jane Austen. Um, I've adapted quite a few of her novels for the stage. And I thought it would be really terrific for to have an opportunity for so many people who are fans of Jane Austen to come and see a Christmas show specifically about her life, about some of her greatest works. So it was sort of a collaborative effort between a bunch of artists, but the idea was born of you know, an audience member being able to come to the theater, uh, not only meet Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra Austen, but also to meet some of her most beloved characters and to interact with them. Yeah, I was going to say, I was reading the press release for this uh, production. It's an interactive show. Did I understand that correctly? That's correct, yeah. And um, just to make everyone feel very comfortable, audience members can decide on their own level of interaction. They're not going to be pulled into anything that they don't want to be pulled into. And a lot of the interactions have to do with you are an attendee at this party being given by Jane Austen and her sister. So you can decide if you want to dance uh, in a couple of dances. You can decide whether you want to participate in some of the games that uh, the characters will be 
partaking in on the stage. Um, you Or you can decide to sit back as an audience member and just experience it all as a traditional show. <laughs> so it's kind of up to you, your level of participation. And I wanted to make that very specific. Um, <laughs> At the time, another inspiration for writing the show was I was uh, involved with the Jane Austen Society of North America. And they have a lot of activities throughout the country where people come, they dress in Regency period costume, they discuss the works of Jane Austen from an academic perspective, but then they also participate in these big balls or dinners and they basically sort of it's a cosplay kind of feeling and I wanted to have an activity like that in Oklahoma City but specifically at Christmas so that's also part of why this was born was someone could come and take part in this like they could in many other um, Jane, Austen, Jane Austen activities throughout the country. Well, as an introvert especially, I appreciate the fact that there's different levels of participation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm in a mood where it's like, you know, I, I could get up and sing, I'll do that. If I'm in my just leave me alone mode, I just want to enjoy the show, that's I right. can do that too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We were talking a little bit off air. This has uh, been the sixth time it's being produced, third time with you all. And I was told that this has sort of um, kind of had a life force of its own. It's it's evolved as you've done it year over year. So without giving too much away, you know, spoiler alert, can you tell us a little bit about the plot and how that's developed through the years? Oh, yeah. Um, we came up with the plan. I think it, it was developed in 2014 and produced that year for the first time that Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra would be giving a ball, and then who would be attending that ball, and what kind of scenes we wanted to play out from the distant, uh, different Jane Austen novels. So Pride and Prejudice is a big favorite amongst everybody who either is familiar or unfamiliar with Jane Austen, so we definitely wanted to include part of that uh, plot point. And then we wanted to include two other stories from Jane Austen. And so those, those, have, those are what sort of change. In this particular version, you will uh, see characters from Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, and also Persuasion. So those are the three novels and the three sort of base stories that we're focusing on. Um, and you'll see scenes from those. You'll meet characters from those three novels. But um, we've done Northanger Abbey. We've done Emma. We've we really sort of pursued a lot of Jane Austen's works throughout this. But this particular version has those three novels. And those are a lot of people's favorites. Some people aren't as familiar with Persuasion. But um, there was a recent uh, Netflix uh, movie, I think a couple years back, that was based on Persuasion. So maybe people have seen it recently and are familiar with it a little bit more this year. Yeah, I've read Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. I don't, I don't remember the other one. So mm -hmm. I, I was gonna, yeah, because I think I read those all in my honors English. Well, now this is this isn't important. I'm just going down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I think it's a great way to introduce a work that is again maybe a little bit less familiar to the general yeah. public. So we mentioned this is the third time that you all are producing it, six total. How special does it feel to have something that has such staying power and is turning into a holiday tradition? I love it. I love that people want to do it, uh, people want to perform in it. I love it that people want to continue to see it. I love that people who have come to see it in years past want to come every year as a tradition. I think it's a very unique tradition. I mean, we do a lot of those things around Christmas. We will see Christmas Carol or we'll... Uh, go to Guthrie and see Territorial Christmas, or we'll go to see the Nutcracker suite um, with the ballet. And it's it's all stories that we know. And I, But I think it's a great thing because you introduce new generations to it. So 
your kids might not be into Jane Austen, but I bet they're into ice cream. And I'll turn that over to Tyler because we've got a great sponsor in Brahms Ice Cream. As I was looking at the press release, I saw we do have a couple Oklahoma businesses that are involved with this production. Uh, yes, that is correct. So another long-standing tradition uh, for this production is the sponsorship and inclusion of Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Store. Brahms, uh, for years, has been providing ice cream treats and cookies and baked goods and eggnog for audience members to enjoy as they come to the ball, because what's a ball without <laughs> food and treats, right? A Christmas ball, especially. So Brahms has very generously, uh, once again, re-upped their sponsorship and uh, provided all manner of ice cream treats and, and cookies and baked goods. So it's very delicious evening as well as fun. <laughs> And they've also uh, sponsored, they have now for the second year in a row, they sponsor um, the Christmas Cracker Favors. So, again, what is a ball or party when you don't leave with a party favor? So we give all of our patrons a Christmas Cracker Favor upon their exit and you know wish them a happy Christmas. And it's a very lovely thing, and Brahm sponsors that as well. Another local business that has sponsored it is Urban Lawn and Landscape, and they've sponsored a beautiful holiday lights display outside nice. the theater. And the Paseo Grill, our neighbors, is sponsoring uh, the cast party for our cast. And it's very sweet. And so a lot of local businesses have really jumped on board. And, you know, Aaron mentions tradition and sort of the repetition of people coming to see it, patrons. We also have actors who come back. I think a quarter of this cast out of 12 is repeat, um, are repeat players, if you will. Nice. Um, I think this might be the fourth year that the particular Cassandra Austin has played this role. And I think it's just something that they feel comfortable, they sort of fall in with. And I think that happens a lot with things like Christmas Carol or Nutcracker, you know, Territorial Christmas. You get, you know, the certain actors who love to do that particular role. And um, so audiences begin to want to see that actor in that role year on year. And, and that's what we, we've kind of started to develop here. It's really lovely. Another thing about the improv I just wanted to mention that's really fun is that the characters, it's a scripted piece, and it tells the essentially the love story of these three main storylines, Persuasion, Sense and Sensibility, and Pride and Prejudice. You get sort of the snippets of how Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth you know, first came to sort of meet and awkwardly bump into each other. And then you see this sort of intermediate, you know, you know, do they like each other? And then, you know, it develops. And so you get that beginning, middle, and end sort of feel with all of these little love stories, which is very sweet. And then along the way, as Aaron mentioned, we play parlor games because that was a big deal um, in the in the period. And again, you know, we take volunteers from the audience. Uh, so we take volunteers to play the parlor games, which are uh, really fun. Um, one of them is called Squeal Piggy Squeal, and one of them <laughs> is called Forfeits. <clears throat> these um, are real. Games. These are real games from <laughs> 1790s, and they're hilarious. And and just it just it creates this atmosphere in the room that is just so joyous. Because it's an experience where you can be as included as you feel like you want to be. But it's also a room that just immediately feels like a party. And then the actors have at liberty to sort of improv as they go. So they're following a script, but they're also improving with you, the audience, as things happen and develop. And there's little quips and jokes and things that are just said along the way because it's that sort of permissive show. Um, and that just is what makes it really feel rich 
and, and unique. I what? think that's why actors like to come back to it, too, because it it's singing, it's dancing, it's acting, and then it's also this improv aspect to it. So it kind of you work out all of your all of your acting muscles when you get to perform in it. And I was it's gonna a say, lot of fun. I was going to say, it sounds like it gives the actors a lot of freedom to do the things that they, they would like to do in certain situations. And, yeah, and again, I... I, I did the theater way back when in high school, but I, I, I'm just imagining 16-year-old Paul, you know, loving the opportunity <laughs> to be able to throw in a one-liner here or there yep. uh, in, in conjunction with uh, the plot that, that's going on. What do you hope the classical KUCO listeners take away from this production? Oh, wow. Um, I think it's a it's a really different kind of, uh, of holiday tradition, and I would love it uh, for for more people to discover it who haven't yet come to it or who've heard about it and maybe thought about coming to it. And I have to be honest, you don't have to be a Jane Austen fan or a Jane Austen expert to come to this show and enjoy yourself. We've had many people come who have never read a Jane Austen novel, who are not interested in Jane Austen novels. I always call them the the unwilling partners and they have a blast because it's very accessible. It's very fun. And again, you get to, you get to set your own level of involvement. So if you're an extrovert and you want to get up and dance every dance, you can do that. Or if you just want to sit and enjoy a show, it's a lot of fun there. And it's unique because it tells the story. So what Aaron's done, which is so lovely is that it's not just sort of this retelling of Pride and Prejudice or retelling of Sense and Sensibility. You know, I think we're in an age right now where it can be difficult sometimes to imagine leaving the comfort of your home and your streaming service to go out, especially into the cold or the heat of the summer, for instance, and see a play or or do these things. But you can't get this experience on a streaming service. This is literally a unique, one-of-a-kind experience that takes all of the novels and puts them together at a Christmas ball and the characters interact with one another. You have Mr. Darcy talking to Colonel Brandon. You have, you know, Captain Wentworth speaking with, you know, uh, Eleanor, uh, Eleanor Dashwood. Dashwood. And so you don't get that in the novels, you no. know. And it's and it's this sort of like Jane Austen, I guess, fan fiction. You know, it's like a fantasy for to what ha- what would happen if, you know. And the beauty is that because Jane Austen and Cassandra Austen, her sister, are hosting the ball they are actually helping to create some of the words as they're written. And you see that a couple of times in the play. You see Jane Austen actually create the words that Mr. Darcy says to Elizabeth. And it's a really lovely moment. And there's a real meta sort of feeling about the actors that then acknowledge that Jane has created them at one point. And it's this it's this really beautiful interweaving of a story that is unique not only to our theater, but I think in in you know in the theater is that I've never seen anything like this, really. That uh, you also get the story of Jane Austen. You get to know her. And there's quite a bit of original writing. I mean, it's not just, you know, uh, Aaron just completely, you know, taking, lifting everything from these novels. She has adapted and evolved it into a lot of um, intricate, there's interpersonal relationships. And, and then she's mixed and matched things with different characters. And I think it's really lovely, the result. And... The other thing I would say to your classical listeners would take away from this is that I believe at last count there's, I want to say, 17 pieces of classical music in this production that have all been, I guess for lack of a better word, bespoke recorded for us. Um, We hired a composer and musician out of New York. His name's Alexander Sovransky. 
um, very talented musician, has worked on Broadway, you know, has a, a nice pedigree, resume, whatever you call it <laughs> these days. And he has not only recorded the dance music, which are old, you know, stand. I mean, these are from the 18th century, 19th century, which that alone are things that you don't often get a chance to hear at all. Yeah. Um, but he's also recorded um, really lovely versions of Christmas carols, you know, Good King Wenceslas, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. I mean, these are all really lovely recordings. And, you know, it's funny because one of the reasons we reached out to him is because, with especially with Christmas carols, for instance, um, you can't hardly find the dance music to begin with. So we had to have that recorded, you know. Like, But the Christmas carols, you know, a lot of times it's either the Academy of St. Martin in the Field or something like that, you know, right, which is gorgeous, or it's someone's Casio keyboard, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's sort of not, neither of those really fit what we're trying to sort of accomplish. We want an intimate feel. So what Alex was able to do is to create a um, lovely, intimate, you know, it's just him recording. It is recorded music, but um, it's a lovely, intimate recording of these musics with little trills and quips along the way in the music that I think a classical music listener, and I am one, I love KUCO. And, we're going to uh, cut and splice that and we're just going to play that on loop. Love, yeah, I love KUCO. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. And so, but he, it will be very appealing, I think, to a listener, and as well as I believe there's five original pieces that he composed as sort of interstitial music, um, so that's something to listen for as well. See, I know you're a classical KUCO listener because you were able to pull the Academy of St. Martin in the field so effortlessly, <laughs> a, a, a group featured heavily here on Classical KUCO. Well, yeah. we were there, actually, yeah. in London. We actually got to go to a nice. Christmas concert at the Academy of St. Martin. Oh, that yeah, had been that special. Was, it was It very was really special, lovely, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Oh, man. Now I'm just getting jealous. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta find a way to get to merry old England at some point soon. Absolutely. So, where can our classical KUCO listeners go to learn more about this production, as well as any future productions you all have on the calendar? You can go to our website, okshakes.org, or just Google or Bing search or whatever your chosen search engine is to find Oklahoma Shakespeare. Alta and, Vista. Yeah, all there. You go. Whatever it is, but we're pretty uh, ubiquitous out there. Facebook. Instagram. So uh, find out about us uh, and learn more. We've got a great 40th anniversary season coming up in starting in February with the Winter's Tale. Um, more to come on that, but there is a really, it's our 40th, 40th year, believe it or not. Well, I, and I have a feeling we'll probably see you at some point late January, early February to, to preview that and, and right. talk about it. But Absolutely. that's incredible. And just, yeah, just to have the staying power of, of 40 years and and especially now, and again, as we were talking before, this all started just with the, the art scene just thriving so much here in Oklahoma City. And, and to be you know, on the front lines, that, that has to be exciting. It is. It's, it's, we're grateful to be able to do it. I'm grateful to be able to have the artists like Aaron who have supplied the materials and the actors and directors and composers and dance choreographers all of the all of the people that have been involved with this um the the dancers that have worked with our company to train them and, and make it a really special evening so that's awesome is there anything you'd like to leave our classical KUCO listeners with Jane Austen is something that is really accessible something that's super fun and something that even if you think you probably aren't a fan of you probably are if you've ever watched a Hallmark movie with the sound off, 
and found yourself enjoying it, come and see the original. It's Jane Austen. There you go. Yeah. I wanted to mention what I was looking up here a moment ago was that Scissortail Traditional Dance Society, uh, Oklahoma's, uh, they're call, it's called Contra Dance, uh, English Dance, Scissortail Traditional Dance Society. They're a wonderful group of people that have been involved, involved with us since the beginning. And uh, Rebecca Valencia is our current choreographer. She dances with them, and she has come in to not only teach our dancers how to do these dances, but our dancers actually teach the audience how to do the dances. And believe it or not, it works really well, and it's a lot easier than it sounds, and they're very good at it. And so if anyone wants to learn more about them, we always like to, to sort of promote them because they're so generous with their time and energy, and they're so good at what they do. So again, if you've seen these Jane Austen films, where it's these long, these huge ballrooms where the people are doing these wonderful, beautiful dances, that's what you get to do. So come and join us. Aaron, Tyler, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. I'd like to thank my other guests, Amanda Bleakley and Teresa Holtberg with the Paseo Arts Association, Kayla Benda and Jessica Dietrich with the Oklahoma Chamber Symphony, Dr. Greg White with UCO's Division of Musical Theater, and Professor Tony Gonzalez with the Oklahoma City University Choirs. As always, thank you for supporting Classical KUCO and making wonderful conversations like these possible. KUCO is committed to bringing you the best in local performing arts. Until next time, enjoy the arts. <laughs>